Welcome everybody to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. My name is Dylan Murphy. With me always is my co-host, John Gillen, live from Colorado. Take it away, John. I am live here in Colorado. Laid up in bed, there, there, are, there are worse things to be doing. You, sir. New gear, fancy new equipment. Yes, not musical equipment. I'm wearing a dainty headset that work gave me because I have a new job now which involves working at home and not my home in my girlfriend's parents' home. So that's um, maybe two steps sadder than just my parents' home. So yes, but I'm here. I've got my little office, my little guitar in the background that work doesn't know I play when they can't see me. Um, <laughs> the other day we had to, uh, what we, on my first day, actually, it was a great first day. Um, we did, it was all, it's all online and you're, you're doing this video chat and maybe eight hours a day and you have to watch some presentations and we were watching a presentation and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go through some modes on my guitar, you know, cause they can't see me. So my camera was off, but my microphone was still on. Nice. So cue me getting a private message from my new boss about two hours into the job saying, Dylan, can you mute your mic? I don't mind you playing, but everyone can hear you. And I was <laughs> like, oh God. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, and uh, then I went back on to the to the main chat, and loads of people were commenting, going, "Somebody needs a tune." I'm like, "Oh God, I'm so embarrassed." But here we are now. It means I get my fancy, dainty headset. So here we are. John, do you want to tell the uh, listeners how you hurt your foot and why you were oh, out of yeah. again, again, again with the. Well, I, I guess, I don't know if listeners know, but I, this is the second time that I've injured my foot. But yeah, the, I know, the first I know time very was, much. was in rugby in Ireland. And, and then uh, and that, w- that would have been October. Uh, what was that, like 16 or something like that? So like a year yes. and a half ago. And then uh, I was playing rugby and hurt my other foot. So there you go. Oh, it was the other one this time. Right? Yeah, it was the other that. one. So, you know what's interesting? I mean, knock on wood and everything, but I've never had any serious finger injuries. So at least I can still sit here and play guitar. So I was, I was thinking that recently this week as well. I've actually been really lucky as well because my girlfriend broke her arm, her radius bone, last week by tripping over her own shoelaces. She's going to hate me for saying this on the podcast, but <laughs> what she gets. Um, so listen to it, is she? No, she's not. I've, I've so many people. So many people have come up to me. It was like, going, "I've tried listening to your podcast, and I get about three lines in, and I can't understand a word you guys are saying." But at least you seem enthusiastic about it. So well, that's they the- can't understand it. Why not? Oh, just because when we get into you know technical gibberish that the listeners know and love, but that my family don't understand and fear. Oh yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. There right. You go. It is. It is a podcast aimed at guitar players. Not the average listener. Yes. And next week, I believe we have, is it our interview with Greg Howe? I believe that is correct. Yes. um, Very, uh, that was such a good one. But this week, we have a a bit of a different thing. But we're going to start with our lick of the week. I'm actually going to pull that up right now. Uh, Or Latwa. Latwa? Latwa. Lot W. You are parked in Lot W. I crushed into a cube. Uh, uh, we could. So, Chuck, can you teach? Yeah, it, uh, it it hurts a bit towards the end of the day. That's for sure. So you imagine. remember what it was like for me in class? Like I I had to put my foot up occasionally and that sort of thing. And that's 
Yes. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. At least I don't have to hike a mile and a half on crutches every day. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's it. Is it? I'm ready. Okay. Okay, I was listening to the snare and I didn't get anything from the snare sound. Um, it's very interesting. I actually like it a lot. Yeah. Um, it's, a bit, it's a bit insane because in, it's, it's, a, it's a core riff of a song. The bass player is playing along, like playing the exact same thing. Yep. So, um, the it's drumming is... A little, is, little yeah, obscure, but I, it's not super obscure, but it is a little obscure. The The drumming is too basic for it to be dream theater yeah and i think we recently i recently did a john petrucci one anyway you did but i wouldn't put a pass you doing it again yeah got uh, <laughs> it oh okay can you give me an era um well the album was released in 91 oh oh really which doesn't help at all when you consider everybody who's active at that time period so yeah it doesn't it's not janet jackson or kirk cobain um, oh, Jackson, okay. you might be on to something. Not at all. Not, <laughs> not at all. Pause, pause for a few Not if Jackson has anything to do with Deep Purple. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, so uh, Richie Blackmore or Steve Morris? Ah, uh, Steve Morris. There you go. Okay, very good. There you uh, go. Uh, tell me more. Okay, what so is- this is from his Southern Steel album. Uh, Dave LaRue on bass. And Dave LaRue is a monster bass player. And so, yeah. Anyway, but there you have it. That's Steve Morris um, is, this song is called Southern Steel. So it's from, it's the title track from the album. Okay. And essentially. Yes, man. I like it a lot. Yeah. He's, he's a real versatile player. As far as a rock player goes, he's got a lot of different influences. Um, You listen to the beginning of that one and you can hear a lot of, kind of standard country riffs. He likes to pull those out at least two or three tracks on an album. Yeah. Some of that, you, you can hear a lot of that in the Dixie Dreg stuff as well. So he's okay. got that big jazz influence and fusion stuff that kind of creeps in there as well as his, he really likes Baroque type counterpoint stuff. And so, yeah, kind of get that there he's into yeah he's really into his kind of classical styling yeah every every album has one or two tracks on there that are going to be you know they have some sort of counterpoint thing so yeah no i like that he's great I've, I've everything i've seen by him i really like and that was cool i must check that album out and um, 91 you say yeah yeah i had completely forgotten that he was playing with deep purple and i ended up buying maybe i've told the story but i ended up buying uh, the Scorpions and Deep Purple were in town. And <laughs> yes, I recall you telling me that. I think it was like the first time I met you, you told me the story. Yeah, it was, it was a crazy, yeah, crazy story. But essentially, I basically had nothing else to do on a Thursday. And so went down to see if somebody was getting rid of tickets. And I managed to find one. And I saw this guy walk out on the stage. Like I was expe- expecting Blackmore for whatever reason. Completely spaced it, but... Long-haired, blonde guy walks on stage with this tie-dyed, cut-off T-shirt. And I was like, wait, what? Steve Morris. Steve Morris. Yeah, exactly. 
amazing. They were absolutely fantastic. And the Scorpions was like watching Spinal Tap. So <laughs> we'll talk about him another time. Uh, Michael Schenker. Yeah, yeah. Or no, um, it's not Michael Schenker, is it? I think it is. Because there's 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 two Schenkers. Uh, his brother. Um, I, I, I can't even remember now. Yeah, Michael Schenker, I think. Yeah, Michael Schenker is actually, he was one of the founding members of the Scorpions, but he is, yeah. I, I don't think he's, he's not, he left them, went to UFO. Ah, uh, yeah. I can't remember yeah. what his brother's name is. Rudolf Schenker. Okay. There you go. Um, cool. So we um, last time we talked about John Mayer, and you know what? I've actually been going on John Mayer's Instagram. Funny guy. Really, really kind of like him. A really good self-deprecating sense of humor, um, oh, really? yeah. which I like. And he gives um, he gives guitar lessons on on Instagram, which is kind of cool. Um, just like he'll do a live feed of him just like teaching guitar, which is actually quite cool, um, for free. Huh. So that was cool. They're all on YouTube. I would highly recommend checking them out. Um, so we were talking about his signature, um, what's called the Silver Sky. Yeah. Even though it comes in a variety of colors. Right. And, and Silver Sky is black. It is. <laughs> um, so we are talking about signature gear this week. So we were going, thinking about maybe let's do an episode on signature guitars, an episode of signature pedals, but we're just going to like kind of spitball some uh, signature gear. So, John, you have a bit of experience with a, a certain certain guitar players signature models yeah i've um i think last week i mentioned i had purchased a joe satriani guitar and then kind of went on to say i don't really care for most signature things that said i have two signature guitars one of them is a Era wolfgang special this is one of the first generation ones and it uh it's actually a fantastic little guitar it's um, it is admittedly kind of one of my like knock around guitars. It's not necessarily my main playing one, but I really like the neck shape and in the neck feel it's a maple neck and it has kind of a C shape to it, but the, the distance from the strings, the string width or whatever you call it is a little bit narrower. So it's normal scale. It's a slightly smaller body and, but it just, there's something about the playability of having the strings a little bit closer together. Yeah. Yeah, I, re- I really like that. Um, and but go ahead. No, I was just going to say the, the Eddie sign- like Eddie has so much signature gear. It's 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 kind of crazy. Like I always think of his, you know, he has the phaser as well. He's yeah, just, you know, big part of his stuff. Yeah, um, and he's got the EVH the, the amps as well. It's like his name on everything. Yeah. Um, but he's his his signature guitar is apparently like the the new touring guitar for Jack White. Um, oh really? That's crazy. Yes. Yeah, whose new album I was actually listening to it earlier today. It's like the least Jack White thing you've ever heard. He's got like, you know, Kanye's touring bass player in and a hip hop drummer and I think it's like Kendrick's drummer or something. And it's just but he's like, Yeah, I wanted to do something that was really not me, so I got an Eddie Van Halen guitar and I really like it. Um so like it's cool. It's it's weird because you just you're just used to him playing these like plasticky guitars that he would could buy at Sears back in the seventies and now oh, he's yeah. playing like a very slick, easy to play signature model. Um, have you? So, 
other experience with signature gear? What, what have you, what have you yeah. played? What- well, I mean, on the Eddie Van Halen thing, I, at one time I owned a 5150 uh, 212. <laughs> yep. So this, this would have been, again, this was PV era stuff. So the 212 combo, which weighed, I think, roughly about the same amount as, you know, a thousand suns. It was, <laughs> it was so heavy, so heavy. I ended up trading it in. I did also have a head, a 5150 head. I think that's what I may have traded it in for. I, I liked at the time, I liked the sound of the 5150, but I was like, I don't want to carry around this thing that weighs a bajillion pounds. Yeah. It's, it's so I got the head instead, which I'm not sure was necessarily a better decision. I ended up trading that in for something else. I think I traded the head for the guitar. But anyway, yeah, and so I've I've done the amps with the Van Halen stuff, and that's been, you know, I would not go back, and I'm not sure I really see the point in a signature amp. To be yeah. And I, I know I kind of said the same thing about a guitar, but I would sort of backtrack on that a little bit just because I think a guitar is going to have something a little bit unique to it. And that that unique thing might actually suit you as a player. It may not, but it might. The amp, on the other hand, I I don't know. I mean, this is a little bit different, but you could always put a pedal in front of it and no one can tell anyway. So then why spend the extra quid on... The name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, I yeah, I I would be completely behind that as well. I always think of like buying guitar magazines in my teens and seeing you know Steve Vai with his crate amps. You know those amps that you've never heard of before, but it's like was, his own. Was he, did, did he have crate amps? Oh yeah, he is the crate guy. Like that. Well, I mean, I I know his amps like for a long time were carbon amps. Oh. Is I'm pretty sure you made it. I'm gonna double check right now. When when carbon amplification was a thing, they've gone under, by the way. Well, the amplification division, and then the uh, the the guitars are now renamed as Kiesel guitars, and they've got a bunch of signature models. As ah, well. but, okay. Um, Sorry, correct me. I'm I'm wrong. It is the carbon. I was so sure it was crate. Um, go on yeah okay he's uh but you know it has his symbol on it the legacy yeah yeah exactly it's kind of ridiculous when it comes to like a signature putting your name on a you know an artist's name on a pedal what does it do for you um as someone who has bought two steve vi pedals is one of them the bad horsey one of them was the bad horsey the other was the little alligator which i thought was a good idea and it really turned out to be a bad idea the Why is it a bad idea, John? Fine if you're Steve Vai and you never need to turn your guitar off. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I get you. I got you. And yeah. like it, it does have, it has a minimum volume knob, which in theory you can turn all the way down, but it doesn't go all the way down. So it goes oh, to God. very, very quiet. Okay. There. But that also makes it really hard to do dynamic swells and things like that the bad horsey though i i i keep thinking about it and there's probably only a handful of laws that i would actually trade it for because i like the fact that you don't have to push the pedal all the way down to activate the wah and That's you can a, come in yeah. on that really low sounding portion of the wah before you hammer your foot down 
So, and there's yeah. plenty of mods out there too to kind of adjust the sweep on it as well. So it's I I haven't done that. I've thought about it, but eh, that's just more work than I I think I want to put into it. That's that's completely understandable. Um, but he's one of the only artists that has a wah that's not you know, a Dunlop wah. Cause yeah, I, it seems like it anyway. <laughs> I think there's so many. It's hard to it's hard to really differentiate them. I've heard Slash's one is really good. I've heard the Jerry Cantrell one is really, really good. I've heard really good things about the Jerry Cantrell one. The Joe Walsh wah is made by Real McCoy. Ah, okay. Cool. And that one is one that I would consider getting as well, just because I really like the Real McCoy custom was it's, yeah 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 well we've talked about uh, you know a lot about this before like what's the difference between you know was there's only so much spec you can you know change you know there's only so many things you can alter for a while it's a, a lot of them just sound the same i know with the the slash one you've got a couple of different contour knobs there to adjust the tone exactly but, which is uh, so that's the other thing like this is a little bit off topic but the um it's kind of loosely based on the real McCoy wah, um, the the RMC3, which has all of the controls on the outside, and you can dial in literally everything. It's wow. pretty remarkable. And so that's, for what it's worth, that would be one of the other wahs that I would consider. But there you go. Yeah, I, I think it's, 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 it's good to have, you know, I don't when you've got an artist that you really consider to have a real a touch on an effect you know like like eddie van halen with his phaser you know it's a part of their sound you're like i trust them with the wah you know specifications and um, like the dime bag wah is apparently really really good the crybaby from hell oh but, yeah. Uh, yeah like frishante used it on a load of chili stuff and you know it was kind of his go-to wah for a while and um, but yeah, at the same time like that putting a name on stuff does make it more expensive you've got like a 230 euro wah Oh yeah, absolutely, and, th- and that's that's where I think I have a hard time justifying a lot of those because it just it doesn't seem like it's worth that. Yeah, it's 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 kind of too expensive. Any like yeah, I'm just yeah, signature gear is weird, man. I think wonder where did it start? Was it like the Dick Dale get like a signature Strat or something? <laughs> um, I know the the Hank Marvin uh, Strat is apparently a really big selling one. And the um, oh, who else did Buddy Holly have a signature guitar or something? I suppose the original signature guitar is the Les Paul. I, I mean, yeah, like I would, I would almost think that would that would be one of the first. I, I know people like uh, Glenn Campbell and Chet Atkins had gone to Gibson, and Gibson had made something for them, but it was very rarely marketed as the Chet Atkins model. You know, yeah. um, and it was usually something like something like a 355 or something to that effect that was just modded slightly, you know, maybe a different wood or different pickups or something like that, slightly different neck and wouldn't it's necessarily just, just the name. Like, <sighs> yeah, I, I think it's something that probably grew out of the 80s, to be honest, in spart and sponsorship stuff and just. Yeah, yeah when when that kind of began to be a much bigger thing in terms of advertising i i bet you could trace it i don't know probably to somewhere 
like like maybe even Eddie Van Halen. I don't know. I know yeah. he was he was a Charvel artist for a long time. So it'd be interesting to see. Interesting yeah. research. Dear listeners, if you know first signature guitar besides the Les Paul, um, do yeah, send us a message, a thing, a tweet, uh email, I guess. Yeah, let, let yeah. us know. Um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting topic. And let us know if there's any signature gear that you swear by. Um, it's just so much gear out there. So much gear, so little time. Moving on. Um, our, main topic, our main topic is one that we've actually been thinking about doing for quite a while now. We're going to talk about apps and gear that is not essentially, you know, you can't play it, but it helps you with your playing. Like, for example, an app that you use on your phone that helps you, you know, practice the guitar. Um, so I suppose, like, there's obvious things, like there's tuners and there's metronomes and there's, you know, the, the basics. But, John, is there any gear that you, that, you know, that you like using to play the guitar that's not guitar-related, if you get me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. When it comes to practicing stuff, for me, something like Audacity can be really helpful just for taking a section of something that you're working on and just looping it and slowing it down. Um, the amazing slow downer is one that I recommend and use a lot. I don't know if there's better apps. If there are, I'd love to know, but so for people that don't know, what does the, uh, apart the amazing slower downer, it slows down songs or at least sections of songs. Yeah, exactly. So the full version, which is not terribly expensive for the phone. I think it's like 15 bucks. It, or that would also work on like your iPad or something like that. The full version for a PC is a little bit pricey in that it's 50 or 40 or something like that. But it's uh, what it does is it'll, it allows you to slow it down. It also allows you to pitch things up and down. So for example, Van Halen's always tuned down a half step, but you also have to play, I don't know, a Shaka Khan tune that's in standard <laughs> tuning. And you're trying to work through both of these things. I don't know what All the people you pick Chaka Khan. What an yeah. obscure reference. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't know what band you're in that's doing Van Halen and Chaka Khan, but more power to you. Yeah. Well, but anyway, so point being, if you have to learn a tune or, a, you know, a Hendrix tune or something, and it's pitched down a half step, well, all you, can, all you have to do is there's a little slider there where you can bring it up a semitone and you're sorted. That's it. You don't have to retune. Or if you're working on something that's in drop C tuning, but the next tune is drop D and the one after that is in standard. Again, it's all, it's all just there with a slider on it's top just, of that. The, the speed you can, you can manage incrementally. So it doesn't even have to be 5% or 10% or whatever. You can always use YouTube but YouTube is in 25% chunks. So if you're really working on a fast section or of a solo, it's really hard to go from 50% to 75% and 75% to full speed. That's yeah. using YouTube. Also, YouTube won't loop it. So what you can do with the amazing slow downer is let's say you're at 75% and you just need to bump it up to 77 and you bump it up incrementally and you'll see a whole lot more progress. progress. Yeah. yeah. It's all measuring that. And, and that's, that's so much better. And it's, it's good for your, your mental capacity to look at it and be like, all right, yesterday I was at 75 and today I'm at 78. And even though that doesn't seem like a big jump, 5% in tempo is a big jump. 
Yeah. And that that yeah. means a lot. And then the fact that you can loop it. So you can plug a whole song in there and then you can say, I only need to work on these four bars and you just loop those four bars over and over again. And it's great for that. So there's, it's, for me, it's a great practice tool. I still use it almost on a daily basis. And when I say almost, that just depends upon whether or not I'm working on a riff or not. But yeah, cool. Man. No, I think those it's it's really for inspiring creativity. I know some people are purists and they think you know you just need you know oh, you just need a guitar and an amp. But like you know, if you've got this stuff at your fingertips, then why not use it to help you progress as a player? Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think for for writing myself, I mean, a lot of these recording apps um, or recording software like audacity and um, they're great but i really like i keep on coming back to uh logic and garage band or garage band however you want to say it. Um, <laughs> for our american listeners yeah yeah uh, translation there and um, because of the loops i think that loops are a really great way if you don't have a looping pedal because you know they're pain in the bum sometimes um check out our episode <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that if you're able to just take a loop and put it into GarageBand and just uh, just jam along with it, it's such a great tool for just writing. I think that you know metronomes are boring. Also, Music is Win uh, recently said that he doesn't like practicing with a metronome. He prefers practicing with um, just like a drum loop because you know it makes it more musical. So. I don't know. There's a lot to be said for that. I think. Yeah, that's... I'm of two minds about that. Obviously, like I think uh, I, I will, to a certain extent, extent take Jens's um, or dear friend of the show, Jens Larson. So we have a great thing coming up uh, with yeah. them, or with him, by the way. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But it, essentially, I mean, his whole thing that backing tracks are ruining your timing, and I think it's true because you don't you don't hear the subdivisions clearly necessarily when you're just playing with a backing track. Oh, okay. So I think it's, I think it's valid to do both really because it is more musical. And so when you're working on phrasing things or just coming up with ideas, I think that's a great space to do it. But what I have found when I'm trying to record a part is I get really frustrated because whatever part it was I was working on, I didn't do it to a metronome. And so now I'm looking at where it's falling in logic and I'm realizing like that note that I'm supposed to land on, on that, on the eighth note of three or on the 16th note of four or whatever, you know, it's what happens is I'm not hitting that where it's supposed to be. And so the phrase, and then I'm out of sync with, you know, whatever else is going on. And so I think it's, I think it's really worth, but that's, that's a selling point on logic. Like look at logic and, or any, any other recording software, because it'll show you where, what beat you're on and just see if your waveforms are lining up where they're supposed to. And that in and of itself is a great practice thing, but there you go. I think it's a really, I don't know. It's just, it's a tool that will help you to, I think for, with loops, it's a tool that will help you to kind of inspire creativity, I suppose, for you know, lack of a better yeah. expression, um, which, which is great. Um, John, any other like apps? I'd like to talk to you about, because we've talked about guitar software before and the pros and cons, but you use, uh, you showed it to me recently, Bias. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I, I've got Bias effects. Um, and so it's basically have... an effects selection of amps, and it's, it's like a, you know, it's, it's, it's guitar software, essentially. 
Yeah, and and by I also have Bias Pro. So both of these are or not by uh, I have Bias FX and Bias Amp is what I was saying, and they have Bias Pedal and a couple other things. And I've got uh, friends of mine that does all of my guitar setups and stuff who also uses he uses the whole suite, which is pretty impressive. I'm not sold necessarily on the whole suite, but he went the whole nine yards, bought the pedal and everything. But essentially what it is, is it's kind of, if you're familiar with guitar rig or anything like that, it's very similar. But I just like the fact that this is, it's modeled on amps and it's essentially amp modeling software. And out of the box, things sound great. So they've got a bunch of artist settings which are available on the premium side of things, but they also they all sound fantastic. And you can tweak them. The effects are good. It's it's just a great plug and play. Get some decent tones out of it. Yeah, and, and you can put it on an iPad or whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. It's um, there's there's the mobile version. There's a the desktop version. Both are great. I used it for. I, I mean, I use it for teaching a lot too. Uh, just kind of like it sort of depends. I used it in the studio. Um, yeah, so I I like it. It's it's a good tool, partly because you can just select something and not necessarily have to think about it too much. If you're looking at and it is a VST, so it works with whatever you're using: Pro Tools, Logic, Ableton, which is a massive bonus. Yeah, and you can just again speaking about creativity. I think a big part of it is. Having something that just sounds good allows you to just jump in and play with a backing track or with a loop or whatever. Create your own loops, but it, it does give you the opportunity to just plug and play, and it's it's a fantastic tool. Excellent. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to. Now that I have a job again, I can. Yay, working. Yay, working. Um, yeah, that whole being able to drag it into GarageBand or Logic just makes it so much sweeter for playing playing around with. Oh yeah. So yeah. friends, you use any tools, any fancy metronomes, fancy tuners? No, we want something a bit more interesting. Would be great. Um, something <laughs> that helps you <laughs> a fancy metronome um, that helps you to learn the guitar or improve your skills. What have you? Let us know. Um, Sharpenthatx at gmail dot com. So John, what have you been working on? What have I been working on? Oh. Um, I've got one that's going to be a little bit of a surprise for you, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what that is. But aside from that, I've mostly been trying to to revisit some scales and modes and things, and just look at different ways of playing them and improvising with them. So it's not necessarily anything super technical, but just kind of what chords work over a particular mode. So, for example, like an E major seven with a sharp eleven would be a Lydian mode. Yes. So okay. and just kind of figuring out, you know, just different ways to play it, different ways to approach it on the fretboard. So nothing. How, um, how are you doing that? Are you just like giving yourself a progression or are you like... Yeah, it's know. either either a progression or maybe just playing over one or two chords and just kind of trying to go over the arpeggio stuff and just stay fresh with different modal ideas. I'm of a couple of minds about modes and maybe that's... Yeah, we, we had a discussion on modes a few episodes back. So, we did. Maybe we'll yeah. do a follow-up. Yeah, yeah, we probably should. So, But there you have it. I mean, that's that's been kind of one of the big things I've been working on. Um, and then kind of going over some stuff 
as I said before, like I've got a long list of riffs and things or bits and pieces of stuff that I've half learned over the years. And so just trying to bring it up to speed and actually learn it. So always good to kind of iron, iron over them creases. Um, Cool. I am. I've been learning guitar again, John, now that I can. <laughs> so it's, that's been good and also kind of terrifying because you, you don't lose the muscle memory, but you do exercises that were, you know, much easier a few months ago. So it's all about, and then you'd play guitar for two hours and then you'd wake up with the biggest, creakiest arm the next day. But it's, yeah. it's all good. It's good pain. Um, I was watching a video. It was like the best guitar I think it's melodies. I think it's a music is win at one anyway. And he did the main chorus riff from, uh, from Cliffs of Dover. I was like, you know what? It looks like an, a riff you want, if you're learning stuff, music, you really should be learning to, you know, aiming to learn stuff that will improve your technique. And like that song is nothing but technique. Like it's just crazy. Um, so I have been going through some Eric Johnson stuff. I've been trying to learn how to do the Eric Johnson fives, the, um, you know, the, oh, yeah. just, cause you're so used to playing in like, you know, 16ths or triplets or whatever, but yeah. fives are weird. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, uh, Troy Grady's got a video on that. So that's where I went first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like someone said you, you count it like, you know, instead of doing like one triplet, two triplet. You do hippopotamus, 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 hippopotamus. Um, because it's one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, right. two, three, four, five. It's just, I just, yeah, when practicing a feel for fives, I always I just try to find a finger pattern. That okay. makes sense. And so I just work playing through it. The weird thing is is most of those finger patterns will be something like a three and a two, right? Yeah. Or or maybe yeah, it's something like that. But that means that your picking across those two strings is going to change every time you come back around to that next downbeat. Yeah, that's it. That's one of the massive things as well. Robert Baker did a, a video on it, and he's just talking about the best way to pick that kind of pattern. And it's just like, this is an alternate picking. What do, what do I do? Um, so yeah, that's what that's definitely something I've been working on. And my so, yeah, no, I'm curious though, real quick. Does does he do like an economy picking on it? He does. Yeah, there's definitely okay. some kind of like double picking motions. But then again, that's all over. Even if you look at the the Cliffs of Dover main riff, which I finally kind of learned last week, it's it's a lot of like uh, down, down, up, down, down, up. You know, between the two strings, it's kind of it's all about getting the same motion going um, for the hits um, oh. some great videos as well on how to learn it instead of just alternate picking. It's a, it's kind of a brain exercise as well when you're not used to doing. Oh, that I'll have to check that out. Cause I just alternate pick that. Well, I'm not saying I'm right, John, but, <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't but know. I never really looked into it. I mean, I just, I, I learned it from the tab and from listening to it, but I never, you know, I never you think you're better than me. Right. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I just um, basically slowed down his stuff online. And I was like, how the hell is he like actually hitting that? Because um, you kind of want to do it the way he does it. But yeah, it's all very interesting. And then Troy Grady has this thing where uh, he's so he's so minute in his observation of how people play things. It's yeah. Ridiculous, um, and he was like, "Oh well, he moves his like thumb, you know, a quarter 
quarter inch to the left when he does an upstroke. And I'm, I can't, I can't watch this anymore. It's just too technical. <laughs> um, I can't get one of those cameras for my hands. Anyway, um, have you been listening to anything new? Um, let's see. Did I? Yes. Okay. That that was kind of that was that was a bit of a long pause, but um, there's there's a couple of things I've been listening to. So one of them, I think I mentioned a couple episodes back, was like some Garth Brooks stuff. But um, I that's still been on the rotation because I'm still working with this country singer, so I'm just trying to get that into my ears. But there's there's some new Pliny, I believe, is how you say his name or Pliny, um, depending upon your Latin pronunciation, perhaps. Essentially an instrumental guitar player. He's a guy based out of Australia. Came out with some new stuff in the last week and a half, and that's it's been an enjoyable listen. He's good sort of jazz-influenced stuff, but it also has a lot of good shred in there as well. Very so, intrigued. Yeah, yeah, it's... So that's that's been kind of it. Like not nothing terribly exciting, unfortunately. But and yourself, what what's are you still doing the album a day thing? Yeah, I am, and I kind of came to the conclusion that I was trying to make it a daily habit to listen to a different album every day, and I found that I wasn't giving stuff the right amount of time mm-hmm. um, that it deserved. So instead of an album a day, I'm going for four albums a week now, which I'm finding is much more enjoyable and lets me soak up the music a bit more do you end uh, up sort of rotating stuff through then yeah that's kind of what i'm doing well this is i only started this last week and kind of i'll, I'll have four give myself four or five albums in a week and it's like just you know try and listen to one of these a day it doesn't matter which one mm-hmm. and yeah it's good it's it's you know it's 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 a it can be, you can get a bit too analytical about like oh i have to listen to a new album tomorrow it's just that there's so much exposure to new music out there that you're kind of like you want to get it all in but then you kind of stop enjoying it when you try to do that yeah. um so i've been yeah i've got actually yeah the uh, judas priest that new judas priest album. oh man you were saying i haven't checked it out yet and like five seconds in and he was like this is so badass and it doesn't like yes the new album is called firepower judas priest have been together for about 40 50 years yeah i think their first album was actually or they they started in like 68 or something yeah, like that something crazy and um, so that i i really liked um the new and jack white and they still rock like they're they're cranking so hard they rock so hard John. and this is i mean it's not like the rolling stones who've sort of rehashed you know their 60s and 70s material for the last 30 years but or 40 years whatever it's been i guess i don't know uh, anyway, continue. Yeah, Sorry, I miss you in the eighties. Um, <laughs> Rolling Stones just like no. Um, also, like one hundred and twenty euro for a concert ticket. Get out of here. Uh. Um, yeah. So, new Firepower by Judas Priest. Honestly, just listen to the first song and you'll be hooked for the rest of the album. It's just so like it just doesn't take itself that seriously, but when it does, it rocks so hard. And I'm also going to give a shout out to an Irish. Um, musician who used to play at open mics that I used to go to in college and now he's got like a record deal and he's been like you know touring all over the world his name is Mark O'Reilly he's a um he's like a slap blues player 
but he has his own two three piece band and it's so good because it's just it's just three guys in a room making noise which is my kind of music but he's a really talented guitar player and um, wow. i've seen he, he just does loads of um he just turn up and he'll do solo slots acoustically like everywhere and he is so amazing so his new album is um called lettre politique it's some french title and mark o'reilly <laughs> is the artist highly recommend um yeah so that's basically me really um this has been great we've uh we two weeks ago was it no last week we recorded possibly my favorite interview of all time um with jens and jens larson and chris zupa um so that will be coming out in a few weeks that was so much fun that was um, a blast that was a blast yes uh, if you're not familiar with their youtube channels i highly recommend checking them out yeah and we, so we've that, talked about both of them several times on the show and we've interviewed them each uh, once. So, but do they love us? Cause we never stop talking about them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Definitely check out their stuff and, and you know, stick with us for next week. Next week we've got Greg Howe. So we had, a little, God. yeah, geez. We had a little bit of technical difficulties, making sure everything was recorded. So, I've got some work to do sorting that out. <laughs> it was all my fault. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Actually, it was last minute they wanted to change the platform. So we normally use Zoom. Shameless promotion for Zoom. Thanks for sponsoring us. They don't sponsor us. But... Um, it's free. <laughs> yeah. And last minute they wanted to change the platform and I was scrambling around like, I don't know how to record with whatever it is they wanted to use. So anyway... It's we we managed to record something. We have audio for it. It'll be fine. But everything is fine. Fine. It'll be grand. So it'll be fine. Uh, so that is next week. But yeah, guys, have a great week. Thanks very much. I know we're a bit late with this episode, but here we go. We got other stuff to do. All right. So hit, uh, hit us up on Twitter or Gmail or whatever you want to do, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>